This is Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International, a non-denominational end times ministry dedicated to fulfilling a divine commission to trumpet forth warnings from God concerning the imminent second coming of Christ and the impending judgment of God upon the ungodly. God has sent Dr. Hansen to many nations of the world with a solemn warning to the political and religious leaders and citizenry to repent of their sinfulness and wickedness or face the catastrophic judgments that will soon be unleashed upon the unbelieving world. Listen now to the warnings of our compassionate and merciful Creator conveyed through His faithful prophetic spokesman, the host of Warning Radio, Dr. Jonathan Hansen. This is Jonathan Hansen, President of World Ministries International as well as Eagle Saving Nations. Go to my website, worldministries.org. That's worldministries.org. See what it's all about. We need you to join Eagle Saving Nations. We need another great awakening. I want to talk today. Now, we are in my chapel here at World Ministries International, where we, we do a weekly service for the staff and their families. It's a live audience with children, and so beware. Now, I want to talk about Incredible love, incredible love, or impossible love, seeking God's most excellent way. You know, 1 Corinthians 12 leads directly into 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11 deals with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Then you get into 1 Corinthians 12, 27 through 31, gifts of ministry. You know, they are different. Gifts of the Holy Spirit, gifts of ministry. Fivefold gifts of ministry that Jesus himself gave, apostle, prophet, evangelist, teacher, pastor. Again, gifts of the Holy Spirit, power gifts, supernatural gifts, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, working of miracles, signs and wonders, interpretations, prophecy, and on. So these are important. You can on your own read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and then it moves right into 13. Again, 1 Corinthians 12 is all about the gifts of the Holy Spirit operating within the body of Christ. In this chapter, Paul lays out how vital it is for Christ's body to operate in his gifts, functioning as one body. Now, we're talking about in his gifts, both apostolically, gifts of ministry, and gifts of the Holy Spirit. We need to operate within the gifts that God has given to the church. To fulfill our calling, the need uh, as evangelists, teachers, pastors, preachers, apostles, people with gifts of prophecy, healing, miracles, tongues, administration, helps. The church needs it all. We need it all. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 13. For just as one body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Jesus Christ. All were made to drink of one spirit. You know, the problem is the church has nullified much of this instruction. Half of the churches under the Federal Council of Churches, a Marxist covering, 
Mainline churches have nullified sin, nullified the gifts of the Holy Spirit, nullified apostles and prophets, consequently gone into sheer heresy. But we need these gifts working together. Like 1 Corinthians 12, 31, I will show you a still more excellent way. We've got to have the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of ministry, if we're going to be healthy. If not, we allow heresy into the church. And we try to operate the church in our own strength, which you're not going to do it. Nobody cares about what you have to say if you can't back it up with some testimonies. Do you have reality? Is there signs and wonders? Is there miracles? Jesus said, don't even try to represent me until you have them. Go tarry until I baptize you. And then flow out doing what I did on earth. We're supposed to carry it on, not just talk about it. I don't care if you talk about it all you want. I want to see if you can do it. Sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal, if all we can do is talk about it. Paul said, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love. Again, I said 1 Corinthians 12 goes into 13. Okay, you need the gifts of ministry. Jesus gave. You need the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You have to have it. It goes right into love. It all comes out of love. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am a noising gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers, I understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have all faith, I should remove mountains, but I have not love. I'm nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver my body to be burnt, but have not love, I gain nothing. So what is Paul saying with this bold statement? I think everybody, every church is familiar with the passage. Every day a passage from 1 Corinthians 13 is heard by hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people around the world. It's recited. But what's the reality of it? It's recited in churches on Sunday morning, Saturday morning, weddings, funerals. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7, love is patient, kind, love does not envy or boast, it's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice or wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. You know, if you just look at that a little bit, we could, we could preach a whole message out of just that. You know, we're guilty in a lot of that, aren't we? If you say, I'm not guilty, well, then you're guilty of being a liar. We're guilty. How many times are we rude or irritable? Do we bear all things? Not most people. But this is unconditional love. We see it as sweet and tender. This is the kind of love we want God to give us. Don't we want him to bear all things with us? Well, don't we? Or do you want him to be irritable with you and grumpy? Do you want that when you go to God and he slaps you right back? Well, how many times have I told you before? God tells you. And now you're coming to me again? What's wrong with you? Oh, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but that's exactly what we do to people. Yet in doing this, we miss the significance of this chapter. Paul is showing us the true meaning of agape, God's perfect love. It states agape transcends even the Holy Spirit's supernatural gifts. You know, the supernatural gifts, let's put it this way, come from God. Yes, you have to seek them, you have to desire them, you have to covet them. But still, it comes from God. It's God. If you can do all miracles and all power and all signs, and it's God. But God is more concerned over your character 
than his gifts because it's his power. <laughs> sure, we, we have a part to play in it. People don't receive it if they don't covet it and don't desire it. But still, it's still his. Amen? That's why we say it all is grace, grace, grace. People, if they compliment you, it's grace, the grace of God, or they wouldn't compliment you. They would say something negative about you. If you can do anything good, it, it's the grace of God. If it's the gifts of God. You know, the Beatles had a song, and I'm not a fan of the Beatles, but uh, all you need is love. Well, not, not their type of love, immoral sexual love, but God's type of a love, yeah, we do need it. Agape, unconditional love. Agape isn't based on what it receives. It's more than unconditional. It is sacrificial. This may sound strange to say, but 1 Corinthians 13, love is actually a problem for us. That's because the vast majority of us don't practice it, as Paul tells us to. We don't practice it that way. God is commanding us to love as he loves. Not if you feel like it. That is heart-wrenching to consider because such a love is beyond us. It's an impossible love. Yet Paul wants to show us how this most excellent way is possible for us to live out powerfully. See, what did I say I was going to title the message? Remember? Incredible love or impossible love, or a more excellent way. This is the kind of love God really wants us to have. I never want God or to be tired of me making mistakes and, and turning his back on me. But let's be honest. Do we turn our back on some people? Well, I don't want to be hurt anymore. Well, that's your vanity. It's not God's love. Because God's love got hurt to the point of dying on the cross and saying, Father, forgive those that are killing him. See, that's what I'm saying, an impossible love. It's an impossible love. It's God's love, only imputed in you by his righteousness and your desire to have it. An impossible love, a more excellent way. 1 Corinthians 13 shows us our poverty. It is meant to break our hearts. You really study it, you might see how little agape you have. Paul says love is patient. Are we patient? Now just ask your marriage spouse, are you patient with them? Or do you have a scalp left? No, scalp? If you're a Western fan, you know what that means. You were scalped by your enemies. To understand it, you have to understand the relationship of God's law and his gospel. Now, we don't normally think of the law and the gospel as going hand in hand, but they are one thing. We usually point to the Old Testament, Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Leviticus, and on. There is a law. Then we turn to the New Testament, the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, and say, this is the gospel. No, God's commands are embedded in both. You've heard me say over and over and over and over, grace is in both. Or King David would have never been king. He'd have been executed premeditated adultery and premeditated murder. Now, if there wasn't grace to allow him to continue to live and lead, then there's no grace. Grace is in the Old Testament. Grace is in the New Testament. Sin is in the Old Testament. Sin is in the New Testament. The Old Testament in the New Testament. Jesus did not go over everything in the New Testament that was already known in the Old Testament. Why regurgitate a known fact? It's like in algebra. We don't have to go through basic mathematics. They don't even touch on it. 
you are assumed to have taken basic mathematics if you're in algebra. The fact is Jesus never disparaged or did away with the law. He came to fulfill it. Matthew 5.17, Do not think I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish, but to fulfill them. Moreover, the law is at the center of both testaments. Peter points out to God's command to live holy, 1 Peter 1.15. But as he who has called you holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. You know, this is where I think it's, it's really important for everybody but, you know, married people every day, probably most days before you go to sleep, maybe you might need to say, I'm sorry. But never reject, never hold it against, never be angry. That's not what God wants. The gospel appears in both Testaments, Ezekiel 36, 26. And I will give you a new heart, a new spirit. I'll put it within you. I'll remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. God's law is central to the gospel in our lives. It's central. The heart of God. What is the heart of God? It's unconditional, pure love. Yet we were sinners. He gave his life for us. It is unconditional, pure love. The law commands and directs us. It says in Romans 7, 12, so the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. Righteous and good. It includes the way of love spelled out in 1 Corinthians 13. Paul's instructions about perfect love are not just tips or suggestions. Again, as I said earlier, they're commands. And most people, they don't, you know, <clears throat> if whatever their excuse is for not reaching out to a person, I don't want to be hurt again. Well, it's good that God doesn't have that idea toward you or he would have given up on you because you have certainly failed him and probably do every day. It's good he doesn't have our mentality. I don't want to be hurt again. I don't think we want God to think and do that to us. I know I don't. That means I need to love and forgive daily. I'm leading my, my boy every day in the Lord's Prayer and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Again, understand this is a command. You can fool yourself all you want. You better incorporate that. And you better try and you better repent daily when you fail. And then you need to forgive again and again and again. If you want any relationship with anybody, you've got to forgive again and again and again and again and again. If you don't learn that being married, you're not going to stay married. You are not married to a God. You're married to a person no matter how good they are. It's the grace of God in them and they're still a person and they still make mistakes. You forgive again and again and again. 70 times 7, what does that mean, that, that phrase? That means forever. Inexhaustible. Why? Because that's God's attitude to you and me. I'll forgive you always. I'm so glad he does that attitude. I'm so glad. And if we can do that, then we don't have to be afraid to stand before him because we have forgiven others and he'll forgive us. You know, that is important if you want to have confidence on your deathbed. Have I forgiven others? Have I forgiven them? Paul says that we have done nothing if we don't show love. We have failed at God's law. James says in James 
Whoever keeps the whole law but fails in this one point has become guilty of it all. The law informs us. In Micah, he has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness and walk humbly with your God, Micah 6.8. The law awakens us when, we, when we've shown God's commands, we recognize our utter failure before them. Paul claims, Romans 7, 7, yet if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. See, as, the, as we read the Bible, or in this case, preaching it, doesn't it come alive to us? Doesn't it show us how much we need to constantly forgive? Doesn't it? I know a lot of people, what stops you from forgiving is you've been hurt. And I don't want to do it again, but so has God been hurt daily with you and your failure to live up to his standards. Yet he doesn't give up on you. His mercy is new every morning, the Bible says. His grace is forever. He forgives forever. He literally wants us to do the same thing. The law reveals it exposes not only our failures at God's commands, but our need for a Savior and Redeemer. I need a Savior because I can't be perfect. I need my Savior, Jesus Christ. The law drives us in our conscience to confess, Lord, I see your commands and I have utterly broken by my failure. I have broken. I'm, Lord, I need you. I need you. I need you. I need you to cover me under the blood. Once we've been driven to our knees, the gospel points us to his grace, his good news, his power and steps to love perfectly as he loves. That is so good. Now we can love perfectly because God has broken us and shown us no matter how much we think we're holy, maybe we're not as holy as we think. Right? I guess all of us could say we've been little stinkers. <laughs> Some maybe could say I've been a big stinker. 1 Corinthians 13 entices us for great aspirations, but our failures leave us flat on our face. No one, however, has kept God's law in totality, total, totally, only Jesus has. Have you ever wondered why in Christ lived on earth for 33 years? One reason was to lead a spotless, righteous life before us. We don't hear much about this aspect of Jesus' spotless life. But he did everything to God the Father. Everything he considered, not my will, but your will be done. Everything. Didn't want to do everything, but he did everything. Went to God in prayer constantly, and that's how we have to overcome constantly. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Jesus' perfect life has everything to do with 1 Corinthians 13. He bore the curse of sin we inherited from Adam, and he then imputed his righteousness to us. Thank God for his righteousness. Right? His righteousness. Everyone Thank Jesus for your righteousness, Lord. I can't be perfect, but you are perfect. And because you are perfect, I can be forgiven. Give me the grace to forgive others. Therefore, we no longer walk in our own failed righteousness, but in his perfect righteousness. So we don't have to be condemned. The only time there's condemnation, if you know the truth and you won't do it, well, you're going to feel condemned until you do it. But I finally got to forgive this person. Yeah, you do. We are empowered to walk in perfect love even though we aren't perfect human beings. How? By Christ's righteousness. Sparks in us the desire to love people as he loves them. 
This is how you and I are empowered to love the impossible. You know, some people have a real love for those that are down and out on the streets. And, you know, it's hard for others, isn't it? But they're out there all the time loving the dirty, the, un, you know, the unclean, uh, the drug addiction, the alcohol. They're out there every day. Wow. Thank God. When we fail at loving others, we no longer try to redouble our efforts as we once did, failing again and again. We're driven to Jesus crying, Lord, impute your righteousness to me. Work your agape in me, otherwise I can't love as you do. Fill me with your agape. Fill me with your righteousness. That's how I'm justified. The more we try in our own strength on anything, a lot of times the more we fail. But if I speak with tongues of men and angels and have not love, I'm a noising gong. I'm a clanging cymbal. 1 Corinthians 13.1 The church needs agape. Even our spiritual gifts won't last. As for prophecies, they'll come to pass away. As for tongues, they'll cease. As for knowledge, it'll pass away. 1 Corinthians 13.8 The only impact of Jesus' love on people will never fade away, and our mission to love with agape is never ending. I move around the world moving with the apostolic gifts, the prophetic gifts, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but one day they'll pass away. What am I going to be judged on? My character. Can I love people? Was I willing to love people? Was I willing to forgive? Was I willing to restore? Was I willing to be heard again? Embedded in Paul's letter is an important question. If you could never, well, let's say if you could move mountains and perform miracles, would you still devote your energy to loving people as Jesus did? I hope so. I judge myself all the time. I move in a lot of supernatural gifts, but I still move in a lot of love for people. I, want, I never want to give up. I never want to give up. Dr. Buckhart would tell you that about me. I never want to give up on somebody. If you were the world's greatest preacher, would you still hunger to love others as Christ loved? I hope so. If you knew all of life's mysteries and poured all your energy into leading seminars, would you prioritize, prioritize loving people the most? The entirety of our calling is bound up in God's love because his love and his law is bound up in the gospel. The entirety of our calling is bound up in God's law. What is his law? Love. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You will love your neighbor as yourself. Galatians 5.14 We're commanded to do one thing that is love. Now add to that three words from 1 Corinthians 13.8, love never ends. We love our God with all our heart, strength, mind, will. We love our neighbor as ourself, and that never ends. Isn't that wonderful? See, if I'm assured of the word of God and I'm assured that you can, in this room, obey the word of God, hey, no matter how mad you get, you're going to forgive me. And I know that, I know that. No matter how, you got to forgive me. And if I believe you're mature enough to put this word of God into action, you have to forgive me. And you will forgive me. <laughs> Isn't that how assured we are of Jesus forgiving us? And that's how others are supposed to be. His calling to love remains ever before us. Let us therefore seek his righteousness that we may love perfectly. His commands require no less.
Incredible love. Impossible love. Seeking the most excellent way. Again, the gifts of the Holy Spirit operating within the body of Christ is critical for the body of Christ to be healthy, strong, and powerful. We don't reject the gifts of the Holy Spirit or the gifts of the ministry. We welcome them. We embrace them. We want to obey the Lord when he ascended. Go and tarry until we're filled with power on high and move in his power, which is his gifts. We've got to move in it to be most effective. The church is very dysfunctional because they don't move in this reality and people are tired of just a human being up there talking. We need to move with this incredible love and then move with the incredible power of God. If you're out here and you don't know the love of God, I just pray that you look at John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son. Whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. If you agree with this message, we do need your help. Go to my website, worldministries.org, worldministries.org. Join Eagle Saving Nations. We have television and radio seven days a week. Find it on my website, worldministries.org. And love as Jesus loved because that's the only thing that's going to save the world. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International. Warning Radio is a listener-supported program. We need your donations in order to continue airing these Christ-centered prophetic programs. Send your checks or money orders to World Ministries International, Post Office Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. To donate securely by phone, call 360-629-5248. Visit our website to find other ways of giving and a wealth of information about World Ministries International and host Dr. Jonathan Hansen. The website is worldministries.org. There, you'll also have access to hundreds of previously aired radio programs, made-for-television videos, thousands of articles, Dr. Hansen's books, and travel itinerary. Again, the website is worldministries.org. The phone number is 360-629-5248. Tune in at this same time, Monday through Friday, on this radio station for the next exciting edition of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen. Remember, the Lord is not slow about the promise of His return, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for everyone to come to the repentance that leads to eternal life.